from the Parashat Chukah that we read yesterday. The two instances there where we're criticized, there's a kitrug, a denunciation from, from the heavens or from people and because we're expected to do better. But fortunately, in both cases, it was avoided. Let's talk first about the Paraduma. The Paraduma, the Gemara in Kirushin, it says over there, it wants to bring an example how far a person should be honoring his parents. And they bring a story of a Gentile by the name of Dama ben Netina, who lived in Ashkelon. He was in the business of uh, gems and diamonds and special kind of precious stones. So one time the Hachamim, they needed a special stone for the Choshen of the Kohen Gadol uh, called the Yashve. And they wouldn't find it anywhere except by him. So they went and traveled to him and they asked him, you know, we would like to buy this uh, very special and expensive stone. No problem. The stone was in a special box that was locked. And he found out that the key to the box was under the pillow of his father, who was sleeping at the time. Naturally, being a very good son, he would not disturb his father. He has great kibud ab. And he goes back to the hachamim. He says, I'm sorry. I cannot help you. I don't want to disturb my father. So what happened? Next year, HaKadosh Baruch Hu rewarded him with the paraduma. Now, paraduma is something very special. You know, if you have two hairs that are black, it's not paraduma anymore. If there was any, any kind of hole carrying, if he carried anything, it's not good anymore. So this is very, very special thing. Extremely expensive. They were all together in the whole history of the, of, of the, of the Jews. They only had nine paraduma all together. So they find, now the Mefashim asked the question, why Hashem rewarded him only with paraduma? I mean, there's so many ways Hashem can reward a person. And we walk in the street, you know, he finds a treasure. A treasure with all kinds of gems and all kinds of things. Why only paraduma? Then winning the lottery or something, whatever. Why bedafka de paraduma? And the reason is the following. The Chidushi Harim, who was the first Geri Rebbe, he says like this. There was a kitrug in Shamaim about the Bnei Israel. And they were saying, is really the nation of Israel the chosen nation? Is it really the Amsegula that received the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Really so? Look. Look at Dama Benetina. Look how he honored his father. There was a Kitrug. So what happened? 
השם gave the פרה אדומה to show the מעלה of the בני ישראל. דמה בנתינה was honoring his father. This is a מצווה which is logical. After all, parents uh, uh, toil and labor and, and sacrifice themselves for years and years in order to bring up their child. It makes sense that the child should honor them. It's a logical kind of a מצווה. But פרה אדומה, there's no logic to it. There's no reason. It's a chok. Even Shlomo HaMelech could not understand it. Only Moshe Rabbeinu knew about it. So therefore, now we're saying like this, you're bringing a re'aya, a proof from Dama Benetina. Well, he was honoring his brother. That's a, that's a logical, uh, logical mitzvah. But look how the Bnei Israel, when they came to buy from him the paraduma, And they asked the price. They were willing to pay any price, any value. Whatever you ask, we'll give you. They were willing to put out a huge amount of money, a fortune, for a mitzvah that has no logic, that is not rational. That is the difference. The kitrug was avoided. There's another thing. <clears throat> This has to do with Moshe Rabbeinu. As we know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu, Kahitamate, take your staff, and go, you and Aaron, and speak to the rock. And Moshe Rabbeinu, unfortunately, instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock. Now, why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock? What happened? What was he thinking? Well, some Mephashim say Moshe reasoned like this. If we, I speak to the rock and the rock gives out water, then the Bnei Yisrael will be, will be criticized. There will be a kitrug on the Bnei Yisrael. Look, a rock that has no sechel, no heart, no mind, No emotions. I speak to him to it once, and it follows the commandment and brings out the water. And the Bnei Israel, who have a mind and a heart and understand things and saw the ten plagues, and they, they, they ate the manna for so many years. Of course they should understand, and yet I've rebuked them so many times, so many tochahot, and they're not always listening. So Moshe Rabbeinu did not want this kitruk to happen to the Bnei Israel, so he said to himself, rather, I be the korban. I'll sacrifice myself. I'll get the punishment instead of the kitruk on the Bnei Israel. Very interesting how Moshe Rabbeinu, Allah Shalom, how he loved his nation to the point where he was willing to give himself for punishment rather than have any kitru, any denunciation of the Bnei Israel. Now, we're talking about this uh, hitting the rock. Let's investigate a little bit. What was the sin of Moshe Rabbeinu? 
Now, the Torah does not tell us specifically what the sin was. And there are various different reasons from the Fashim what the actual sin was. We do know one thing. It says, You did not really uh, 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 believe in me in order to increase the Kiddush Hashem. Uh, by speaking, obviously, is a, is a bigger Kiddush Hashem than by hearing. And Rashi actually takes this particular pshat. He, he explains it like this. He was told to go and speak. And by speaking to the rock, then the Bnei Israel will take a lesson. Will take a lesson from that. Oh, look, even a rock kinda, uh, uh, will do the command of Hashem. How much more so we should follow that? So that was the thing. By hearing, it's not such a big Kiddush Hashem. This is the Pshat of Rashi. The Pshat of the Ramban is different. He says because they said, Hamin hasela hazeh notzi lachem mayim. We really going to bring out water from this rock? Are we, we, meaning us, that's not right. They should say, is Akadosh Baruch Hu, is the Bore Olam really going to bring out the water from the rock? Not them. They, 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 they're not the miracle. Hashem does the miracles. And he said, that was, according to Ramban, that was the sin. Now the Ramban says something completely different. Very interesting. He says, you know why what the sin was here? Because he told the Bnei Israel, Shimona Hamorim, listen, you rebels. He was angry. He got angry at the Bnei Israel. He called them rebels. Now, if not for the Rambam that said so, we wouldn't dare speak this way about our greatest teacher. This is the the man that spoke. Uh, to Hashem, pale, pale, mouth to mouth. But for a great tzaddik, even a very small amount of anger is not acceptable, especially a leader. Even a small amount of anger, that is not appropriate for a great leader, a great teacher like Moshe Rabbeinu. So this idea, a lesson we learn from here is anger has to be avoided at all costs. We have to improve our character. We have to improve our behavior. Now let's look at, let me give you two instances where people really kept, uh, kept their cool had patience. This is about a Rav that was in Europe, and he was extremely makpid, very particular, on Pesach to bake his own matzah. He baked it with the greatest humrot. He had his own way, everything by himself, making sure that the slightest, even slightest, minute amount of chametz can possibly be involved in here. Of course, the matzot that they had uh, at the bakeries, whatever, 
they, 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 they were good enough, but for him, he was machmir. So the first thing he does is it, uh, he goes, and the night, the day before, he goes to the spring himself, and he takes the water to bake the matzah the next day. And as you know, we're not supposed to use fresh water uh, for baking matzah. We're supposed to take water the day before, keep it overnight until it calms down a bit, and then use it. Because fresh water can be sharp, and perhaps it might contaminate with chamet. Perhaps. That's an extra chumrah. Brings the water himself and the flour himself. Everything he does himself with all the chumrot possible. Finally, finally, he got his matzah. Very, very special matzah. Brings that home, and that's what he uses every Pesach. For one Pesach, he brought it home, and he put it in a closet, you know, covered up, special for the for Pesach. Said it. During that day in the afternoons before Pesach, there was a maid that was cleaning. She was cleaning up and she was cooking. She was doing all, you know some things for the for the house. And she took the matzah. She wanted to make uh, matzah meal, knedlach. Uh, you know knedlach is that that's like a, you take a matzah you uh, and, and you. Uh, uh, somehow grind it, and from it you make knedlach, uh, which they use in soup, like the matzah balls they use in soup. She doesn't know from nothing. So that's what she did. Comes the night of the seder, and the rav sits down, and he wants to use his matzot. Okay, he goes to the closet, nothing is there. Disappeared. Couldn't understand. What happened? All the kids, they were stunned. What happened? Finally, he asked the, uh, the cook, and she says, Well, you know, I, I, I was making matzah balls, and I saw this there, and I used it. Now imagine the frustration. Imagine how angry a person would be when he spends so much pain, so much effort, in order to bake a special matzah. And the maid takes it, uses it for something else. But no. This Rav said to himself, no, it doesn't pay. Well, he says, okay, well, this can't be the only kosher matzah we have here. We'll take a regular matzah. After all, everybody else is eating matzah from the bakery. We'll eat one too. And that was the end of that. Now, let me tell you, Another very, very interesting uh, short uh, uh, story. This is a man who, he lived in Yerushalayim. And he made a Kabbalah on himself. And he took it upon himself. Never to go to pray Shahrit, Arbit, Minha, whatever, without a minyan. He took it upon himself. Every time, it's got to be a minyan. Okay? This went on for 20 years. There were many problems involved. Uh, of course, and sometimes he, he came a little bit late from uh, 
a trip or something, or he was busy and so on. But he always, there were minor problems that he always, he, he overcame all these problems. He was, he was always able to get a, uh, a minyan. One time, he came to Yerushalayim, and it was 3 a.m., 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning, wait a minute. He has to have a minyan, no matter what. So he knows that there's a place called Zichron Moshe. And this place, they have a minyan, one after the other, in different rooms, you know, almost all night long. You know, same kind of thing we have here in Flatbush by Lando. They have minyanim all along. Or in the place Shomer Shabbos, that they call Shomer Shabbos in, in Borough Park. And, but even these places, you know, by 12 o'clock, maybe 1 o'clock, that's it. Zichron Moshe maybe goes all the way up to 1.30, 2 o'clock, but 3 a.m., nobody there. He goes to every single room. Maybe there are people there waiting. Finally, he finds only one person. That makes it two people. And he needs eight people. Imagine. He tells the guy, do you, you think, you know, do you expect to have anybody come now? Oh, not a chance. In an hour and a half or so, we're going to have the Vatican Minyan for Shahrid. Forget it. So now he's frustrated. He should be angry himself, whatever. But he doesn't. Instead, he says, let me calm down. Let me think. Let me think what I can do. All of a sudden, an idea came to him. Great idea. I mean, a person really has, has to have a goal uh, to, to do this, but he had to have his minion. Picks up the phone, and he calls up a taxi company. I want eight taxis immediately. Only Jewish drivers. The man says, I don't have eight taxis right now, 3 o'clock in the morning. How many do you have? Five, send all five. It goes another taxi company. I need three taxis immediately. Only Jewish drivers. They all come and line up. And I hope <laughs> these people, they thought, hey, this is a wedding uh, or a bar mitzvah, and they need a, you know, a lot of people need to go places. He comes out and he says to them, gentlemen, start your mirrors right now. Please come with me. We're going to pray Arvit. And whatever it is, the mirror is, I'll pay every one of you. <laughs> Nobody could understand. You know, they could understand, you know. What? Something like this? Never heard of. Well, anyway, the end of the story is they do pray Arvit. At the end of the prayer, takes the first guy who had the yarmulke was a religious man. He says, how much owe you? He says, Rabbi, you don't owe me anything. It's a great honor to see such a man who is so devoted that he, to his religion that he really goes so far as to call the taxis just to have his minyan. Second guy was not religious. He wouldn't take money either. And this went on for all eight of them. No one wanted to take money from him. 
You know, as they say, patience is a great virtue. In Kohelet, it says, Vehaser ka'as milibecha, remove anger from your heart, Vehaber ra'a mi Then you remove the etzerara. The ka'as, anger will bring your etzerara. But the patience is just the opposite. That's a great lesson that we learn from here. Everyone is involved every day, whether it is uh, your, your friends, your colleagues, uh, your family, your children, your wife, uh, your peers at work. Every day we're involved with people. We communicate with people. We deal with people. Patience is a great virtue. And anger is a bad one that should be avoided at all costs. Mezat Hashem, if we do remove anger from all of us, communicate properly, there will be shalom and peace among all of us, and that will bring our Mashiach Sitkenu Bekarov. Amen.